Today on the Scott Thompson Show on 900 CHML. There is a substitute teacher in British Columbia. This has taken a little while to work its way through the system. But there's a substitute teacher in British Columbia who has been suspended now for a few days from school when school returns for showing his class some weird videos on YouTube. And when I say weird videos, I'm not talking about like freaky weird, like inappropriate channels, like adult stuff and porn and things like that. Not like that. Uh, Stuff that probably if you have kids, if you have younger kids, if you have teenagers, maybe below teenagers, they've probably watched, or at least their friends have. One of them is called Salad Fingers. Now, what is if you don't know what Salad Fingers is, what is Salad Fingers? Um, when we're done, go look it up. It's Salad Fingers. But in the meantime, it's it's way too confusing to try to explain to you. This is one of those visual things. Uh, here's a little audio sample of what is going on in Salad Fingers. Hello. I like rusty spoons. <laughs> I like to touch them. <laughs> the feeling of rust against my salad fingers. Uh, yeah, it, it is It is definitely in the strange category. Another one is called Don't Hug Me, I'm Scared. Again, I would love to explain it to you. I just don't know that I'm up to it. <laughs> it is just far too weird. Anyway, the issue here is that some kids, and not surprisingly, some kids in this teacher's class were apparently creeped out by these videos, complained, or a parent complained. Somebody complained. The school board investigated and decided this substitute teacher needs to be suspended. Which makes me wonder, because all these videos are pretty innocent looking, makes me wonder what our kids are actually watching. And I don't want to do the old man on the porch saying, what are those kids watching today? Not that kind of thing. But if you're a parent, what are your kids watching? And if this is creeping them out, how do we help them? Lori Getz is an instructional technologist. She's with Cyber Education Consultants. She joins us now. Lori, thanks for doing this today. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Uh, well, you know, I was going to say, I want to get into this, but before we start, I I did wonder, um, maybe I should ask more than anything, what's going on in the school curriculum if this is what substitute teachers are, sh- are showing their kids for class these days? I don't know. That's uh, a really good question. I'm wondering why it was even shown in the first place. Absolutely. Uh, that Yeah, maybe that is now, you know, the substitute teacher's role in 2019. Find the weirdest stuff and show it to the class just to keep <laughs> them occupied because we all know, you and I both know what happened with substitute teachers when we were in school. Maybe this is a way to get them to stop, you know, dropping books and doing other things to annoy the substitute. <laughs> I, maybe that's it. If I show them the craziest stuff, they'll go home and tell their parents, I loved Mr. So-and-so, or they'll complain and get him suspended. Um, let's Absolutely. let's go back to this for just a second, because once upon a time, and I don't know how long ago it was, and maybe I'm completely imagining this, but it seems that once upon a time, YouTube was kind of a safe place for just regular kinds of videos. Would that be fair? Once upon a time? I think that that was the intent, but I don't necessarily know that it ever happened. That okay. You've got to remember that YouTube is all it's user-posted content, which means that it's not curated. So anyone could put up anything. And when you give a, a group, especially young people, a platform to kind of say and do whatever they want and they get an audience, that's pretty enticing to them. And it will lead them to do some pretty interesting and unusual and sometimes inappropriate things. So when I said that once upon a time, that was probably the 12 first seconds of YouTube's existence. And then a 13 second mark, there was something inappropriate that went up. I can totally agree with that. (laughs) (laughs) Now that said, again, correct me if I'm wrong, but YouTube is still a place that does vet though for adult content to some degree. So you're not going to find porn or you're not going to find really inappropriate things as I understand on YouTube. 
they do their very best. But again, it's the users that are posting the content. And so um, sometimes by the time YouTube has vetted the content, uh, it's already been seen by you know, sometimes millions of users. So it is not their intent. It's never YouTube's intent to post things that are pornographic um, or inappropriate. However, this, the, the stuff leaks on. I mean, we've had this happen over and over again with different hoaxes, everything from, I don't know if you guys, uh, from Slenderman and, and all of these other pieces that ended up on YouTube that were never meant to be there in the first place. Because I think a lot of parents think the way that I just was expressing that, okay, you know what, there's, there's other places where I know there's bad stuff on the internet, but as long as my kid's just poking around on YouTube, it's all cool. Well, it's, we would like it to be that way, but unfortunately, that's not the case. And if you look at YouTube's policy, you're supposed to be 18 to even have an account on YouTube. But you can have an account at 13 with a parent's permission. It was never meant to be for, for younger kids. Um, it, it just wasn't set up that way. Social media isn't set up that way. And it's, it's really to protect users' privacy and children's privacy. But what they can see, there's no age requirement there. If a parent is saying, yeah, absolutely, my kids can watch YouTube, then that's fine. It's just that they can't have an account. And again, I think, I think no, and again, I think that's probably because most people maybe naively then believe YouTube is relatively safe and therefore we can let the kids run wild on YouTube. Right. And you've got to think about though, what is safe? You've got some kids that can see certain content and they can process it without a problem. You've got other kids that it's going to absolutely terrify them. I know lots of kids who've watched Salad Fingers that have no issue with it and have never thought anything of it. There are a lot of sexual innuendos in there and things like that. But like you said, it's fairly innocuous compared to some of the other things that you can find online. But when you've got a child with an adolescent brain who can't process the information, these things are absolutely going to scare them. So, okay, so again, to go back, I hate to keep going back to porn, although we are talking about the internet and that seems to be with videos, that's something we're going to be talking about. Um, parents presumably don't want their kids watching that. Parents presumably don't want their kids watching grotesquely violent videos or things like that. But then you get these, and, and again, I, I would encourage people just to know what it's about, to go look up Don't Hug Me, I'm Scared or Salad Fingers afterwards to see what it's about. These are, if you were a parent walking by the computer while your kid clicked on play, you would probably think, oh, it's a pretty benign cartoon or puppet type thing. You would probably not even stop and look over your shoulder for a second, correct? Absolutely. So where should they fall on the concerned parent meter and how much then should you as a parent be watching everything your kid is doing on the computer? Because we trust or we like to trust there are safe places. And I would, I wish that that was the case. So my recommendation really is, and as a parent myself with a teenager, you know, um, my philosophy is trust but verify. And, and well, I say that, but honestly, I never trust my kids 100%. I trust them like 92.6%. <laughs> I know the other 7.4, I'm never going to know about and hopefully it won't, you know, land them in too much trouble. But keeping the computer just in a public place so that the kids know that if they do come across something that somebody else might see it and they can ask questions is really helpful. We don't want to shut it all down. We don't want to terrify our kids. We don't want to make them feel like they need to go into hiding. We actually want to kind of open the door and say, listen, there's stuff out there that's weird and strange. You may not get it. Ask me. Don't go Google it more. And that's really where we want to place the focus. We don't want to go so overboard that we shut everything down, but we want to really make sure we've got the lines of communication open. The best thing we can do for our kids is let them know we're on their side. We're on team child, not team trouble. And that's really what's going to help. So going back to these, this, this teacher and the trouble he got in, he showed these videos and they are, for again, for people who don't know, they are cartoons and they are puppets. No kid, honestly, is going to confuse cartoons and puppets with real life, are they? 
No, yes, they are. And that's, that's the problem is that when you look at, when you look at the, the way that the brain matures, um, you, you have to kind of understand that the adolescent brain is very, very different than an adult's brain. And they have a difficult time distinguishing between reality and fiction. Even when they know that something isn't real, it's why kids get scared at horror movies when they're younger. And then as they grow up, it doesn't bother them as much. It's because the brain plays tricks on you and makes you believe that something could possibly happen even when you know that it's not real you still have that feeling of, well, maybe it could be. And that's the biggest issue that we're having with this because we think, well, it's innocuous, it's no big deal. But in fact, they're processing it in a totally different way and it's terrifying them. So if they can't process the same, so when I, when like America's Funniest Home Videos used to be on, or now if you watch Fail Army or any of these things and they're like just fun family, and you see a dad throw on like a crazy clown mask and go into the kid's room to scare them. Mm -hmm. And we all think that's hilarious. That kid may actually truly be traumatized, not just scared. Absolutely. Completely traumatized. I will, I can't, I can't look at a clown because of that. I will never, ever look at a clown ever in my life because I was traumatized by one as a child. (laughs) See, I would have expected, and, and again, I'm naive here, but I would have expected kids today are exposed to so much stuff, whether it's on TV, on the computer, on the news, wherever else, it, it seems as though they should have, I don't know, somehow more calluses than kids before because they've seen so much more. Mm-hmm. Desensitization. Yes. And that, and that happens too. And some kids become, I mean, we even see kids that are becoming desensitized to violence because of the violent video games and all the violent content they see. But just because they act as though they don't care doesn't mean that it hasn't affected them emotionally. Because, I mean, look, show me a, a 10-year-old kid who hasn't seen hundreds of terrible things on TV or computer or wherever else, acts of violence or whatever else. I mean, it, it, it would essentially be impossible. You would have to go live with an Amish family to avoid mm-hmm. them seeing any of this stuff. Right, right. It's, it's a really difficult thing. I mean, even the, even the video games that are meant for kids, there's still, still violent, weird, strange things that are there. There's characters that are, that are scary for them. Um, you know, and as parents, we just don't want to close our eyes to it. Again, I'm not saying we should shut it all down. I'm saying that we just need to recognize that they may be processing it differently and pay attention. Just pay attention to the behavior. Pay attention to their emotional and mental well-being. Make sure that they feel supported and connected to you as a parent and and that's really the best that the best thing that we can do. But these videos and the ones we've talked about that started this conversation, I mm-hmm. think these videos are largely, I know teenagers and adults are going to watch, but these are made to attract the interest of kids, correct? Right. Are they? I, I don't know. Or, or is this for adults? No, they, no, it's it's really, I don't know necessarily that people kind of say they're not, they're not necessarily looking for a specific audience. Sometimes they are. In these videos, I don't think they are. In these videos, I think that they're just looking for status. I think they're looking for as many views as possible because the more views they get, whether it's a child or an adult, the more money they make through the advertising. So the the, the point of this is is not let's find a bunch of ten year olds to watch this video um, so that we can scare them. The point is let's get as many views as possible so we can make as much money as possible. True, but if you are making a video that is a delivery system, as I say, puppets or cartoons or whatever, certainly there are adults who watch it, but you're putting it in a delivery system that will appeal to kids. So you're going to know that kids are going to watch this. Yep. Yes. You are. So is this worse then 
to, to have something like this, and again, in these videos and many of them, and I think the reason this teacher got in trouble uh, is because they generally start out pretty benign and then there's a twist or something and something a little creepy and weird happens. And, and is it worse than what a kid would experience if they were to go on a ride? If they went on the Haunted Mansion at Disney World, <laughs> would this be less traumatic or less troublesome? Should So are all the parents who have taken their kids to the Haunted Mansion at Disney World also just as bad as this teacher? Well, the teacher, you have to remember, also didn't just show these videos. The teacher was also talking about his divorce and about, you know, asking, telling one of the students that they were a player. I think there was more than just these videos that led to the teacher being suspended. Um, but, you know, no, it's it's a different situation. As a, a teacher in a situation like this does not have the parent's permission. He doesn't understand the emotional uh, intelligence of the kids and where they're at and what they're able to do. I think the teacher used really bad judgment in this form. I don't necessarily know that it was intentional. He wasn't trying to scare the kids. Uh, I believe it's what we kind of talked about in the beginning. It's like, let's show how cool this substitute teacher can be and just made a really bad decision. So no, I, I don't think they're exactly the same thing. I also think that a substitute teacher shouldn't just be showing random videos, YouTube videos in class for absolutely no reason when we really should be focusing on the kids' education. Well, see, now there, yeah, we agree on that one. Um, <laughs> Where does this change then? At what age, generally, every kid is different, but generally, when does this start to be less of a problem? As far as them being able to process yes, information? Yes, yes. Usually by high school. By high school, it, it, it tends to, it tends to kind of, it tends to kind of level out. But, you know, the frontal lobe, which is responsible for reason, logic, and impulse control, it's not even fully functional until we're 25 to 31. So our ability to kind of process all this information is not fully solidified until we're adults. Because the reason I ask that is because there are students, and now you're in, um, you're in California, right? I am. You're in California. So here in Ontario, some of the schools in Ontario have, for example, The Handmaid's Tale as a book on the curriculum, which seems to me vastly more creepy and scary and disturbing than any of these videos. And yet that's seen as an educational tool. And I'm wondering, okay, even if you're in grade nine and they throw that to you, are you actually helping kids or do we even have to revisit something like that where it's now on the curriculum? No, I think that the reason that they've put it, though, in grade nine, they've waited until high school is because of that fact that they want to make sure that the students are mature enough to handle the content. And so in this in this particular situation, I just think it was poor judgment. Um, I don't think these kids are going to be scarred for life necessarily. I don't think that we've ruined them, um, but I think that the teachers the decision-making on the teacher's part was just really bad. Lori, just before we go, I, I, we only have a minute or so left here. Just before we go, we started the show hours ago today talking about the what happened in the States over the weekend with uh, the shootings in, in Texas and in Ohio. I'm not, I, I don't know that I am at the point where I can say that watching a video or watching videos is going to cause someone to pick up an AK-47 and mow people down. But do we believe that there is a part of the brain that these connections start to be made with? I don't think that watching one video is going to make someone go and do this, but do you believe there's a connection? I really, I, we haven't seen it yet. You know, I've been, I've been in this field for a very long time and we do not see a connection between the violent video games and the violent videos and people actually going and shooting up schools. We, we don't see they're shooting up, you know, wherever. Yeah. Um, we, we're not, that's not what we see. What we do see is a desensitization and a lack of empathy that comes with it. But that is, that is very different than somebody picking up an assault rifle and going and shooting people because they watched a video. 
It is a it is a fascinating topic. I really appreciate uh, you taking time, Lori Getz from the Cyber Education Consultants. Thanks for taking the, the for doing this today. Thank you. My pleasure. Take care. Uh, Will has been Will is the guy who has been keeping us on the air today. Will is an avid viewer of mostly proper videos. <laughs> online mostly and he's been dying to jump in here with a point he's been like i have been seeing through the glass jumping up and down and waving his arms let me in all right so a couple of uh just uh, cappers first of all i loved your analogy of it being like a haunted house for the kids um something like salad fingers that's from my generation though that came out when i was 14 and those were on site for a long time it's been out for yeah years and years like this guy was watching it probably when he was a teenager but it wasn't for youtube and it wasn't aimed at children originally it was on newgrounds which was an old site where a lot of animators and artists put their stuff up there that was just aimed at other weirdo college students and people in their 20s making these sort of things people who would go on end up writing for conan o'brien and stuff like that and so it was more in the vein of like beavis and butthead or simpsons these were adult contents they've made their way onto youtubes and the david firth the creator of it he deliberately puts his there but it's still meant for that age group the problem is partly uh youtube's algorithm and how it has trouble sorting things that are oh cartoon then this can go to youtube kids and that causes uh trouble especially because there are people who exploit that as well uh there's companies that just have ai that smash together animations and those get made and sent off to kids with no over See, I, again, I, I have not watched much of Salad Fingers prior to today, which tell, I mean, I, I just, I wasn't even aware of it. I watched it today because we we're going to talk about this and it's, it's weird. It's weird. It's surrealism. But there is stuff on TV that's yeah. animated that I look at and I go, personally, I can't really tell why the stuff on TV that is directed at kids specifically is less disturbing than this. To oh, me, yeah. they are... 1A and 1B, they are the same. They are, if you're a kid, you are going, if you're a kid who's going to be disturbed by one, you're going to be disturbed by the other. One we throw on TV and say, here kids, watch this. And one we say, oh, don't go there because that's kind of weird. Can I just throw in my best piece of advice or one of the best pieces of of advice my mom ever gave me was- Don't have kids. Well, that too. But also um, just, she said, look, Will, your friends got the internet. They want to show you funny videos. I'm sure that's great. Just remember, there are things in life you cannot unsee. So before you watch anything your friend says is cool, keep that in mind and use your judgment. I think the exact quote she had was, Will, your friends have the interwebs. Yes. (laughs) It was a few years ago. Yes, it was. Every mother, every father, every grandparent, they have the interwebs. What is this interwebs thing? It's like a nine millimeter movie at home on your TV box thing. The Scott Thompson Show, weekdays from noon to 3 on 900 CHML.